compulsive thoughts can come from all different directions. What you want to be sure is what? Does this compulsive thought fit the will of God? Welcome to In Touch with Charles Stanley. I'm Lisa Ryan. Many Christians think the will of God is shrouded in mystery. They make the mistake of looking and waiting for something out of the ordinary to guide them to God's plan. Our Heavenly Father can use unusual circumstances, but that's not His normal way of directing us. He's made it easy for us to find His will by providing clear ways to hear His voice. Today on In Touch, Dr. Stanley takes the mystery out of discovering the will of God. In the morning light, in the darkest night, He is there and to always be there for you. Dr. Stanley answers questions about finding the will of God. But first, let's listen to today's message. And the first message we talked about the will of God, the big picture. And the big picture, I just want to sum it up for just a moment for somebody who probably has missed it. I want to sum it up by saying it involves two things, two aspects of the will of God. One of them is God's destined or his determined will. This is the will of God which says these are the things God will do. They are immutable, unchangeable. And that is there's nothing about them that's going to change. God's going to do some things no matter what. Nobody can stop him. No one can change him. That's his destined or his determined will. And he operates in that way. He says he has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. He ultimately makes the ultimate decision in every circumstance. Then there's his desired will. These are the things God wants to happen in each one of our individual lives. These are the things he wants to happen daily. And so when you look at the will of God, it encompasses everything. His plan, his purpose, and his desires. When it comes to his overall general activity in the world, his, listen, his determined plan to accomplish and to achieve. When it comes to our personal lives, there are those determined things. But for the most part, it's his purpose for our life, his plan for our life, his desires for individual lives. So what we want to emphasize in this particular message is this. And that is the will of God, the discovery. How do we discover what the will of God is? If I'm going to walk pleasing to him, if I'm going to honor him, and the truth is, if you'll think about it, when you talk about his purpose, God's purpose for your life is high and honorable. God's plan for your life is such that he knows how to plan for your life in such a way that you'll reach, listen, the maximum of your potential as a living person. And likewise, when it comes to his desires, his desires for our life will bring us the awesome fulfillment every single one of us are looking for. So let's just mark this down. You don't live in the will of God, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss his purpose. You're going to miss his plan for your life. You're going to miss his desires. Listen, there are many promises in the scripture concerning him showing us his will. Listen to what he says in Psalm 32, verse 8. He says, I will instruct you, give you instruction, teach you, giving you the information, in the way to which you should go. 
I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Listen, I will instruct you and teach you the way which you should go, which simply means this. I'm willing to reveal to you my will. I'm willing to show you what to do. I will teach you, I will instruct you in the way which you should go. Somebody says, well, you know, I've always believed you just follow your conscience. Just, just uh, you know, whatever your conscience says, just, that's fine. Follow your conscience. Let me tell you why that's not fine. Because if your conscience hasn't been trained on the principles of the Word of God, you're not going to make right decisions. Now watch this. Your conscience can't make you do right. Conscience can't make you do right. But it can make you feel the misery of violating it. The conscience must be trained with the Word of God. Otherwise, you'll find yourself in a situation of circumstances that you don't want in your life. But there it is. So, what do you say? The more of the Word of God you have in your conscience, the more likely you're going to walk in His will. You know what? Your conscience becomes this awesome sense of protection for your life. If I don't want the Word of God in my life, then you want to sin and live an ungodly life, then you're going to suffer the consequences. And when I hear people criticize the Word of God and say, well, that's, that book's antiquated. Oh, you're right about that. It's been around so long that you can't burn enough of them up. You can't tear enough of them up. You can't deny enough of it because when it's all over, it's going to still be here. And besides that, you're going to be judged by it. To deny the reality of the Word of God. To deny God's right to show us how to live. To deny the power of God in our life. To be able to live a godly life. You are asking for consequences you do not want to experience in life. You're going to have a conscience. It's going to give you the right feedback. Got to train it. Then, of course, common sense. And, for example, if you turn to Titus and look at the second chapter and the twelfth verse, and uh, it's interesting uh, what he says here. Start with the eleventh verse. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. And that's the grace of God instructing us, listen, to deny ungodliness and the worldly desires and to live sensibly using common sense, righteously and godly in this present age. Living sensibly, righteously and godly in this age in which you and I live. Common sense. You say, well, does that mean that I'm just to do whatever I want to do? No. Common sense is a gift of God just like the conscience is. Sometimes God will lead us to do things that don't appear to be common sense. Because, you see, sometimes he wants to teach us something. And I thought about, for example, as we built the buildings at InTouch, in fact, each one of them, uh, we have not had any money when we started. We just knew God said do it. And if somebody says, now, wait a minute, that's not common sense to spend that many million dollars and uh, you don't have any money to start with. It doesn't make common sense unless you know you have the will of God. Remember what he says? He causes all things to work together for good. So what's God doing? Demonstrating his awesome power to provide. Demonstrating the awesome opportunities to teach us faith, to trust him. When we can't figure it out and we don't have it and we don't have any, any resource that we can say, well, we got this all taken care of. And so there are times when God will challenge you. But what you have to ask is, what's the motivation? Does God have a purpose for this? You say, well, you know, I'm just going to use my common sense and do it. I'm telling you, you have to go back to the Word of God and say, all right, what's my purpose for this? Uh, what is God saying to me? 
Does this fit who I am? Is this God's plan? Is there something here that I should be careful about? Sometimes he'll teach us some awesome lessons. Common sense. But common sense is never going, listen, never going to lead you to do something that's not the will of God. Never. Now, let's go to this whole matter of compulsion. Because that's these strong desires that we have. Well, sometimes God gives us strong desires. And I want you to turn, if you will, to uh, Philippians. Um, let's look in Philippians chapter 2. And listen to this verse. Because you see, there, there are lots of verses for all of these. And uh, when we're talking about finding God's will, he wants us to know all the different ways that are important for us to use. Look, if you will, in um, the second chapter of Philippians Beginning in verse 12. Watch this now. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That means to live out your life. It doesn't mean work for your salvation. Work it out. Live it out with fear and trembling. That is, being sensitive to God's will for your life. For it is God. Now watch this verse. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Here's what he's saying. He's in you, showing you his will. And he says, to work, and listen, he's in you, both to will and to work. That is giving us the compulsion to do it. The strong desire to do it. The strong desire to move in a certain direction. For example, some young man will come to me and he'll say, well, you know, I'm really praying, but I believe God may be calling me to preach, but I'm not sure. I've really been praying about it for some time. How can I know the will of God about whether he's called me to preach or not? I said, well, there are several things, but let me just be sure you lay this one down very carefully. If when you're asking God if he's called you to preach the gospel, if you sense that God is leading you and you sense a movement of your interest and your desires in that direction, when you reach the stage in your search to know his will, when deep down inside of you, there's this awesome sense of compulsion that you just cannot do anything else but that. You know you found his will. And when you say, Lord, I believe that you will, then I'm going to give you one other thing in a moment, and you're going to know that you're going to have it. When you have compulsive thoughts, and you sense God is doing something, don't try to reason it out. Just do what he tells you to do. Because he tells us, he says, look, he says, you, you use your mind sensibly, and it's God who places these thoughts in you now. Likewise, the devil can also put compulsive thoughts. Here's an opportunity for me to make a lot of money in a hurry, and I'm going to do it. That's what I've been... Mm, wrong idea. Compulsive thoughts can come from all different directions. What you want to be sure is what? Does this compulsive thought fit the will of God. And that is, one of the things you have to ask yourself is this. And you hear people say this. You hear people say, well, I'm, I've been trying to find the will of God in this situation, but you know what? I just don't have any peace about it. So here's what I want to say. Listen very carefully. When you don't have peace about something, are you listening? Say amen. amen. When you don't have peace about something, don't do it. Because it's God's big signal. You're not ready. It's not ready. He or she's not ready. I'm not ready. This, this, this may be my plan, but not now. 
Listen to what he says in Colossians chapter 3. He says, verse 15, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, that which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. Let there be lots of it. Now, when it comes to this whole issue of, of contentment, that is, that's what peace is all about. It's all about being contented. Think about this. Doesn't this sound like God? You ask him to show you his will for your life in a given situation. And you've said you start out with five alternatives. You file four, three, two, one. He gets you down to one. You know what? When you're saying, Lord, is this really your will? When something is the will of God, I don't care what it is. And you know it's his will. He's going to, when you get that peace, when you look at it honestly, clearly, and you search the word, when you get that sense of peace, God, I don't understand it. But somehow I have this awesome sense of peace about it. I don't know exactly where it's going to lead me, but I know that's where you want me to go. I don't even know how much it's going to cost me, but I'm going to trust you. Peace is God's umpire. Every sport has an umpire. The Christian life has an umpire. And the Christian life is peace, contentment. That you know what, I can be contented doing this and watch what God does when I obey Him. If you'll take these simple suggestions, write them down. Just write the word, the word, and then start with each C. Put them on a three by five card. Tape them on your mirror. If somebody comes into your bathroom and says, what's all of this? He says, I'm glad you asked me. Because this is the way you can find out God's will for your life. Listen carefully. The only happy people in the world, the only contented people in the world, the only people in the world who are living life to the fullest, the only people in the world who are going through hardship, pain, suffering, and trial victoriously and confidently are people who know how to find God's will and walk in it in their life. If you want to know more about today's message, go to intouch.org or call 1-800-IN-TOUCH. Dr. Stanley talks about being compelled to action. That's next on In Touch. When you listen to Dr. Stanley, do you find yourself thinking, wow, I wish I had his sermon outline and scripture notes? Now you can have exactly that with a free copy of Life Principles Notes. It's an easy-to-use sermon study guide that details the principles and Bible passages covered in today's message. Designed as a teaching tool you can refer to again and again, Life Principles Notes is a study guide written to further your understanding of Dr. Stanley's messages. For your free copy of Life Principles Notes, call toll-free at 800-IN-TOUCH or visit us at intouch.org. When you do the will of God, you cannot lose. Never. Don't wander through life when you can walk the path God has for you. When we follow His will, what happens? We get the best God has to offer. Do you want to experience God's best for your life? Then you need Dr. Stanley's four-part series, The Will of God, His Plan for You. Available on audio or video. To order, call toll-free 800-IN-TOUCH or visit intouch.org. Welcome back to In Touch with Charles Stanley. 
This week, we've talked about the ways to discover God's will. So what if you're seeking throughout the scripture for an answer to, should I marry this person or should I buy this house? It's not going to say, don't marry Bob. So what should you look for? You look for the principle. And that is, how does God operate and how does he work in people's lives? And he, he says this, for example, very clearly. He says, don't be unequally yoked with someone. So if someone should ask me, do you believe that a person who is a Christian, do you believe they should not marry a person who is not a Christian? I would say yes. If a person is a godly person and they want the best for their life, according to Scripture, he says, don't be unequally yoked. If you're contemplating marrying a person who is not a Christian, Think wisely. There are many, many decisions you will make as husband and wife in which you will not agree because he sees it from a worldly point of view and you're looking at it from God's point of view. Why get married and begin your marriage with dissension and questions and doubts? If this man really loves you, then he will turn his life over to Christ because he will want to give you a godly man. If he is not willing to give you a godly husband, I'm telling you, you're making a mistake. Because if he genuinely loves you, he will say, what must I do in order to be the kind of man you want me to be? And he'll ask himself the question, if I really love this woman, genuinely love her, I want to give her the best. The best kind of husband is a godly man. You spoke about using wisdom and common sense to guide us. How can we trust our own wisdom and common sense? Well, we trust our own wisdom and common sense by this simple fact. Does my wisdom, my common sense, and my decision-making Is it compatible with the teachings of God's Word? It's just that simple. So what if you think God is asking you to do something that doesn't make any sense? Well, that's not unusual because God will oftentimes challenge us to do things that don't make common sense. For the simple reason, we think from a human point of view when God thinks from a divine point of view. We only see things in its present. God sees the future. There are many times in my life when I can look back and think, now, God, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It's like the Spirit of God would say to me, trust me. Just trust me, because God sees the future. He has never misled me. Today you said God leads us through compulsion. Explain more about how God uses that in our lives. Well, sometimes God will put pressure on you. And the circumstances will be such that you just feel yourself being moved in a certain way. And I can think in times in my own life when I felt so compelled to do something. And then I began to realize God is trying to say something to me. Because remember this, he understands that we don't, we don't always understand his ways. He's very patient. And when God wants you to do something that fulfills a purpose that's very important to him, he will sort of shove you that way, sometimes gently, but sometimes harshly, if necessary. Is there an example from your own life? Okay, I'll give you a recent example. I went to bed one night really feeling tough. My my throat was all messed up, and I I, I thought, oh, God, what am I going to do for tomorrow? So I'm lying then. It's like the Lord said to me, eat chicken soup. I thought, eat chicken soup? Okay, I've heard that. So I went downstairs, looked in my uh, pantry. There was no chicken soup to be found anywhere. I thought, God, don't have any chicken soup. It's like God said, go buy some. I said, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. I can't go buy chicken soup 2 o'clock in the morning. So I was going back up the stairs to lie down and go to sleep. And it's like God said, go buy yourself some chicken soup. So I'm thinking, all right. So I decided to go buy chicken soup. On my way to buy chicken soup, I'm thinking, Suppose I walk in this grocery store at 2 o'clock in the morning and I meet a church member. 